Why don't you introduce yourself? Because we're too, we're too crass to do that ourselves. Uh, my name is Tim Forbes. I'm the sole proprietor of a... Oh, hold, hold it. We have to start recording. Okay, go ahead again. My Boy. name is Tim Forbes, and I'm the sole proprietor of a humble event production company out in California called Sports Walkabouts. Oh, Oh, what is How that How would they all say about? that in Canada? Would they say walkaboots? Absolutely. And Why did you say Canada? Where did well, that come Because the, the word about is always humorous in Canada. <laughs> but how did you know Tim would know anything about it? Because he's been to Canada. He speaks fluent Canadian. Have you been to Canada, Tim? Uh, many times, actually. Really? Uh, yes, multiple provinces. Oh. Ooh. He's very if you go on video, you'll see a bird behind me, by the way. Can you uh, I did video? notice that a little earlier. I just figured that was part of the set. <laughs> you, you, you just started drinking earlier <laughs> mark who are you uh oh uh it's mark speaking uh it's your boy mark as as uh, the kids would say and oh, uh, i am an ip lawyer in downtown but no wait a minute that's you uh pay that guy i don't think yeah no yeah. i uh well i'm one of the co-hosts co-producers of uh this lovely podcast i just promoted myself i think i'm an executive producer you are yeah. You know, like my simple introduction, I'm David Pausner on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Right. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> hey, Tim, what do you do? <laughs> I create sporting events. I create I think, sporting experiences. Okay. And, Mark, uh, Mark, if you didn't know, this is – Mark refuses to accept this podcast as more like meeting in a bar. <laughs> and he insa- instead, he insists he insists that it's run like one of his MIT conferences. Well, How's that I listened to a couple of podcasts, and what jumped out at me was this is kind of like Shark Tank, badly in need of Ritalin. Hey, Mark, you? I just forgot to ask. You're you're a professor at Sloan now, aren't you? No, you're not yet. No, not 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 ever. Okay, okay. So, Tim, what do you do? You you set up sports conferences for us. I'm actually going to pick up on Mark and I. We're our friendship it goes so far back that we can go long periods of time without speaking, and I can still pick up on his uh, train of thought, uh, oh, hopefully seamlessly. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the failure of the podcast and, and listening to a couple, and uh, I said, okay, what's the failure here that that's um, relevant? And I've kind of got uh, two failures, I think, which is where Mark was going, and it. The failure kind of depends on the metric being hold used. Hold it, hold it, hold it. We don't even know who you are. So you do, let's go back. I know nothing about this. I barely know Mark. Um, 60 episodes in or whatever it is. I wish I knew less about him. So That's the other 40 we did on the other <laughs> podcast. Yes, the other awful podcast. And, and all the legal bills I've never paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about this business of yours before you get to the failures, because it'll be like the train wreck without the train. Okay. Um, the business and Mark liked that. that. He liked that. He liked that. I saw it now. All right. Let him talk. That, that's going to appear somewhere else in another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Probably. Basically, um, the sporting world, and, and it's really relevant right now because it's really, really uh, apparent now, the sports world consists of two different halves. The, the one where you sit down and you watch other people play, which I call sportainment, and uh, then the other world, which is you actually play actually go out and play a sport, pick it up and uh, pursue it as an activity. Right. Um, they've 
been lumped together uh, kind of under the heading of sports management for a long, long time now. And I live solidly on the um, participative side, having spent many years on the sportainment side. And the thing that bridged the gap was uh, I got really tired of the sportainment world, which really, when in its essence, is just about selling content. I mean, games are just content for uh, advertising. And so pretty much everything you do is revolved around getting, keeping, uh, optimizing television coverage that comes with a whole package of uh, ad sales. Uh, so you, I became disenchanted with that. And, you mean uh, professional sports. This is professional, professional sports. sports. Correct. Okay, you're not talking about or, the local college pickup too. Game. Yeah, the, the, the top tier sports, and Mark's point is great. I mean, if you're watching NCAA Rare. football, that is a professional sport masquerading as a college sport. Right. Um, but the uh, I had the occasion, thank you to the Great Recession, to take a time out from my career in professional sports. And uh, I spent a full year uh, in which I went to 100 different sporting events involving 50 completely different sports. Uh, and that took me to Canada uh, at least once and uh, wrote a book about it. I actually started as a it was a book a blog to book type thing that actually I didn't know was going to be a blog to book type thing that just kind of occurred. Uh, and what I learned, uh, spoiler alert, is that um, the people having the most fun and the most enjoyment in the sports world are those that are playing as opposed to those that are watching or um, working to make watching uh, addictive. And so the failure was, I guess, there is I spent so many years chasing uh, ad content in the sportainment world. Uh, but the lesson learned was what I do now is entirely independent from the need for broadcasting. I deal with creating uh, sporting events for amateur athletes, um, high end. So there's not just kind of gathering together you know, let's get together down at the field at six o'clock. Uh, what I do is I manage uh, events that are professionally staffed, professionally managed, uh, professionally officiated. Um, but there are, there are no spectators other than friends and family. There are, is no television coverage. There's no advertisements. The sponsorships are whatever I can cobble together for that particular event. So it is decidedly uh, on the um, well below the radar screen in terms of what one thinks of when they think of the sports management world. And I guess the success from the failure is that I have never been happier. Hmm. Okay, this seems like very obtuse. Or maybe that's me. Um, it's you. I'm sorry. So what do you do? You set up sporting <laughs> events for high-end for people who are better than Mark uh, and uh, me. He does, um, like, instead of conferences, there's sporting events. Yeah. Right. I um, guess that's well, one For example, my, my biggest client is, is the city of Long Beach, California. Okay, and there we go. Almost a century ago, they started having a, a city championship, golf championship. Um, and then they had, they started in 1923. And then they added another one in 1926 and another in 1928. And they've been played annually ever since then, for almost 100 years now. Um, so it is called, and it's not a great name, but I inherited the Long Beach Golf Festival. And it consists of 10 tournaments, uh, eight of which are high-end amateur tournaments, and two of which are professional tournaments, one men's and one women's. And my job is to make sure these things happen, to get people enrolled, signed up. 
organized, uh, you know, paired correctly, handicapped correctly, get them okay. on the course. Uh, so you organize getting scored. You organize sporting events, golf being one type of them. Do you do tennis? Uh, I have not done tennis, uh, track and field. Uh, I worked for a year with the uh, um, Special Olympics Worldwide uh, when the World Games were in L.A. in 2015. So I worked in a number of different sports there, including uh, equestrian. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a, event production is a skill set that really kind of transcends sports. Once you know the individual sport, there's still all the basics that you need to do to get everybody organized and ready to compete. And then obviously conducted. So, you know, who won. Okay. So I'm sorry. Did you, um, um, do you do baseball or soccer? And we're losing Mark here. If you had your video on, he's coughing up. He's coughing up a small animal. Several times over the last several decades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I put like a bad penny. I keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you set these events up, and mm-hmm. um, and I think the the long run up was that um, the long run up was that you went over some period of time a year. You you spent every day watching different sporting events of the professional variety, and realized that a lot was lost because of advertising. And so you decided that people like playing sports, and they like playing them at a high level. And or maybe you concluded that there's really money at a high level, so you organize these things. Golf being one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. What are the but other I, ones? I think right? you I think you drew the linkage too closely. Okay. So I think. He, re, he again. I'm interpreting, but I've, I've known Tim and I've read the book. What's the book called again? It's Game Time Somewhere. Available on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> that was just too easy. Um, but now, having read the book and known Tim, I think he just really wanted it. It was like a, a journey of rediscovery. He really wanted to, you know, he hated what 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 sports became for him. And by the way, everything I hate about organized sports was something he had noted. But for me, I never understood the reason to watch other people play a game together. I just never understood that. Um, but for him, it was different because he started from a place of really liking organized sports. I hate to speak for you, Tim. Oh, yeah. So, loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Loved it. He, I mean, he was uh, uh, my opposite. as sports. Uh, he was sports savvy where I'm uh, sports whatever, dope. Um, oh, you're just, and then he wrote this, just and then, well, just a dope. Then he wrote this book, but you know, I think it, there was a, a journey from the book to where, where he is. Cause what well, the book was like 10 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was thinking about that and it is actually almost precisely 10 years ago. It started in April of 2010. Well, the, the, the journey and it, and it was a journey, several journeys. Um, instead of, I wasn't watching the sports, these events on television. I was actually, uh, there in a hundred different locations uh, over the course of 365 days, which when I, I just, I, I, I took a quick look at the itinerary last night and I thought, wow, how did I not uh, die going to all these places? And, and some of the, uh, uh, you know, the themes behind certain trips were I would be in, uh, for example, one uh, particular uh, two post blog was I attended a baseball game in Philadelphia and in Los Angeles, a major league baseball game in Philadelphia and Los Angeles at the same time of each other. Oh. <laughs> Almost. I literally, I left Philadelphia, got a few hours sleep, hopped on a plane, flew to Los Angeles, had a friend pick me up and we went to Dodger stadium. Um, why? Because it seemed like an interesting angle uh, to look at it. 
And so I did a lot of those things. Uh, and I was really driven by the calendar and, you know, the sports season. So I didn't really, um, sequentially, there was no rhyme or reason as to why I was at a, at the world kickball association, world kickball championship in Las Vegas one day and the U S archery trials in Chula Vista, California, the very next day. It's just because that's when, when they were held. So I would go from a 60,000 uh, seat stadium, uh, in Washington, DC, two days later, I was on a canal in Dickerson, Maryland. Um, and I was the only fan watching, um, canoe kayak, uh, the U S uh, championship of canoe kayak. So it was, it was about a hundred out of body experiences all strung together. And, uh, it definitely wasn't something that I set out sequentially to say, okay, I'm going to look at big sporting events, then smaller sporting or professional events then smaller sporting events. And then down to, you know, the, the, the smallest of the small, they were all interspersed together. And what came out of it was I started really looking forward to the small ones and really dreading having to go to the big ones. Okay. So you, I'm sorry, I keep driving back to what you're doing now. Um, so you're set up these sporting events and um, so other than golf, what are they? Um, it's primarily golf now, but uh, I have done track and field uh, and uh, tangentially involved in tennis, but it's primarily golf. Okay, and how many of them do you run a year? Hundred? Uh, no, like twenty to twenty-five, because most of them are multi-day events. Okay, and this is for profit or not for profit? Uh, it is. Um, that is the some, question. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, poor profit for whose profit? Um, mostly, I mean, they're they're not uh, technically, you know, legally set up as nonprofits, but but they, they turn out to be a so-called labor of love. Uh, yes, and the, the the people that take part pay an entry fee, uh, and the entry fee more or less covers the cost of. Um, conducting the competition, you know, I get money from sponsorships and then I, I do draw as a contractor, I bill for my services as well. But for the most part, at the end of the year, if the, uh, if the number is a black number, uh, that's fairly unusual. Okay. So you, so, and, and these are all in California or are they around the world? Um, almost exclusively in California. Uh, no, I'm going to say California and Arizona right now. All okay. the States. Okay, so how do you? Um, okay, that makes sense. And you've been doing this how long? Ten years? Nine years? Uh, well, I was in the um, professional, the sportainment world for ten years, and now I've been in the participative world for almost ten years. Ah, the participative, as in you set up the the experience. Right. You said uh, okay. this is like a deposition. Did you or did you not? Tell your wife. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm just trying to this, this, understand. The your problem, Honor, I object. The problem, the problem with these things. There's a lawyer, a marketing guy, and a, and a guy running golf tournaments walk into a virtual bar and get the pose. Where's my drink? Crying out loud. Well, the problem is you two know each other, and you're, you're, you're halfway through the conversation. We had the conversation in our head 10 minutes ago. We're just trying to catch you up. <laughs> and he, Tim, and I, Tim are, and I are completely in sync. And, and Tim is apparently not used to pitching, so we don't get to pitch. Oh, I, yeah, believe me, I am used to pitching. I mean, 
pitching for sponsorships for amateur events is like you you just yeah. it doesn't get any more basic oh, okay. or uh, closer to begging than, yeah. than that you're going to uh, the pizza shop saying hey look the long beach whatever is going to be on you know tuesday april 1st would you like to you know donate Oh, one level above that. I mean, I am looking, I, I do conduct, you know, searches for sponsors uh, for the season or the duration of some ah. of the bigger events. Uh, but it is um, because I don't have eyeballs to deliver. And uh, I pitched all the time when I was in the sportainment world. And the, the pitch was, uh, you know, television time, you know, with your uh, sponsorship package come X number of national ads or X number of regional ads and uh, X number of teams in a pro-am that you can use to, to uh, for client entertainment. Uh, there, there's a whole package of benefits that I was selling at that time. Now I'm selling a very, very tiny package, which is um, you're doing this for the good of the game and the people that are taking part you will have sole access to them because you're the only sponsor on site and you can come and <laughs> shake each individual participant's hands if you want to. So, so what are the it, sponsorships tend to run? 25,000, 10,000, 5,000, 100,000? 10 and 25 at, at my end. Oh, okay. Um, when I was on the um, tour side, I worked for um, most of the major uh, professional golf tours. And when I was in that world, uh, the sponsorships were seven figure type uh, sponsorships. Um, depending on which tour I was working for. Okay. Uh, so you did golf, you did golf, uh, you did do yes. golf, uh, professional golf. Can you, uh, I yes. assume for, uh, can you name the organizations you did this for? I can't be that many of them. Sure. Uh, the PGA tour and the, uh, LPGA tour, which are the, you know, the top men's and women's respectively professional tours in the world. And then I worked for several years for the, the main, uh, feeder tour for the LPGA tour. Wow. Uh, and I work with a, another, um, mini tour theater tour in arizona called the cactus tour right now what was that all like that sounds very fascinating uh you know it was and um it was so much more enjoyable working with the women's tour because women they understood the quid pro quo if you will they knew oh, that there's they no were, break no quid pro quo <laughs> it was Wait a minute tour. sorry wrong channel yeah yeah um, they understood that the tour would not exist and they wouldn't be able to play for money as a career if they didn't get uh, you know, sponsorship deals. And so they were extraordinarily cooperative in setting up all these crazy events that I included in sponsorship packages um, because they understood without those crazy events, there were no sponsors. Without any sponsors, they were out of a job. Okay. The men, on the other side, the men were much more um, entitled. They've been, uh, you know, groomed since they were first, you know, picked up a club and showed a lot of talent that they were special and everything that they received was just part of the package because they were special. So if you, I always joke that the difference in a PGA Tour Pro-Am is that you get, you know, four businessmen who have paid five, six grand a piece to play with a pro. And the pro always looked like he was trying to play through that group to get to the next group. Uh, he was so removed from the interaction oh, with his teammates. Right, right. Whereas the women are right in there telling jokes, making bets, 
uh, telling stories. You know, they, they're entertainers. They understood it. They did it really, really well. So you toured the country. I assume you didn't go up to Alaska too much, but you largely toured the country going for, uh, and were your sponsors, do they tend to be local or were you looking for national sponsors, um, mostly for TV rights? Uh, mine were um, endemic companies within the golf industry or the lifestyle industry. Uh, and they were national on a national or international scale, equipment makers, apparel makers, that type of thing. How much were you on the road? Uh, a lot. Um, I recall one year uh, I was in, uh, and obviously each one of these tournaments is uh, four days and then the pro-ams and the, what I called corporate week, uh, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, prior to the actual tournament itself. So you'd spend a week and then you go have a travel day, you go to the next city and I did that for out of 14 calendar weeks. I was in 13 different cities for six days at a time. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it was it was grueling, but it was not um, unenjoyable. I bet some people would love, a lot of people would absolutely love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and understandably so. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you're basically uh, you're doing some sales. That's okay, but you're um, watching golf tournaments, right? Schmoozing. Oh, I never watched. I, I rarely saw a shot. Okay. Did you? Sh- but did you entertain? You were out uh, entertaining people over dinner, drinks, etc. He was running the tournament. Yeah. Oh, well, no. not, in that no, particular no. job uh, role, I wasn't. Um, uh, I was basically uh, creating the entertainment vehicles defining what the entertainment would be working with the players who actually provided the entertainment. Oh, I see. Okay. So you, okay. So, so just to understand that better, there are some tournaments that preexisted that have been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in order to get sponsorship dollars to cover them, you had to throw in, um, uh, what do you call it? What's the uh, mini golf? You had to throw in a few mini golfs with the pros. They call, they call them, I think pro-am. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, mini yeah. golf was the the thing mini down golf. the street for me. Mini golf is yeah, the, the, the thing on the thing on <laughs> hey, route, on route, route nine, nine. You take your kids to. <laughs> hey, if they wanted to play mini golf play. with a, a tour pro, I set it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're willing to write a check, no problem. Tiger Woods okay. can play putt putt with you. But still, wasn't there a lot of entertaining over dinners and stuff, which most people would love? Um, the sports business in general is very cut and dry. There's not a lot of long courtships. It's, uh, it really is a, you know, here's the cost benefit analysis. Here's, here's what's in it for you and here's what's in it for us. And very little in the way of, uh, protracted negotiations. Hmm. Uh, it's pretty cut and dried. So you got tired of all that or they fired you one of them. And then (laughs) (laughs) that's, uh, what occurred was, uh, in, in one of the dumbest, uh, and, and I didn't do it purposely. What happened was that, uh, and, and I'm going to digress because I know that's rather, that's almost required on this right. podcast. Digression uh, is mandatory. That's yeah. right. So <laughs> uh, we were living in Florida at the time, which is where the tour golf world is concentrated. If, you oh, really? gonna, if you're going to work for the big tours, you have to live in Florida. Uh, we moved from California to Florida and didn't love it. Uh, and in 2008, oh. <clears throat> My wife and I made a deal that the first one of us to get a job in California, uh, we would move and the other would figure out how to generate revenue. So she got a phenomenal job offer in uh, December of 2008. And uh, so we moved out 
uh, in January of 2009, and I actually resigned my position with the LPGA Tour because oh. it, it required that I stayed in Daytona Beach. So, mm-hmm. as you may remember, January of 2009 uh, was not Fun a time and brimming with opportunity. Yeah, uh, and that's Those why sponsorship I, dollars then. Yeah, or any dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I could tell you stories about how sponsors actually paid the PGA Tour not to use their name because golf was a dirty word in the times of TARP. Uh, so uh, what I wound up with was uh, no job, and uh, and I had the excruciatingly bad judgment to turn 50 uh, in February of 2009, which puts you in an entirely different uh, employment category. Uh, so that's when I decided to, uh, do the, the blog to book project, um, oh. because I had time on my hands. Uh, I had sponsorship of the blog and it was something that I really wanted to do to kind of reconnect with, okay, did I really love what I was doing or was I just doing it for money. other people's money? So Mark, just pretend you were our one listener. Indeed, you may be yeah. our one listener, or maybe that's me. <laughs> Isn't this a whole lot more understandable than where you took us with your panelizing? No. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it, 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 I think they, they fit together uh, like uh, two gloves. Uh, oh, two, I just two Hands and gloves and whatever the hell that is. Um, I have to tell you that, again, I, again, I know Tim. I, I've read the book, and I, I also took the book. First of all, it, it Are showed you pitching me. for his book now? No, but I like the book so much. Really? Have it, you read it, it? I have. You know, it's, it's very readable, but it's also kind of like, and, and Tim, forgive me, I don't want to embarrass you, but it's kind of like a Valentine's card to his wife. I mean, he hmm. really is. And You're by the way, sales. by the way, David, since yes. uh, you have uh, these feathery creatures, one which is behind you, and David collects a lot of tropical birds, um, his uh, nickname for his wife is Tim? The bird. The bird. Oh, really? How'd you get yeah. that one? That's interesting. How'd uh, you get that one? stemmed from uh, a Christmas Eve long ago at her parents' house with, uh, and Larry Bird was involved in a lot of alcohol and a lot of jokes and laughter, and she emerged with the nickname Bird. Oh, really? The yeah, bird. I don't even, don't even remember the exact uh, thought process. It's just that she woke up on Christmas morning the next day with everyone calling her Bird. And so okay. stuck. So let me ask you this, because I suspect he, Mark's going to He's not buying you. the romantic story. He just thought, he totally pooed that. I'm moving through right but, through but it. But Tim, am um, I right? I mean, ultimately, it was sort of yes. like a, a love letter to your wife for letting you do that for a year. Well, let me phrase that yes. differently. How many wives in the world, if you went to them and said, honey, I'm going to drive around, fly around the country and go to sporting events for a year. Is that okay with you? Would say, yeah, sure, go for it. Well, she had just gotten a job and you had just left one. So she owed that yeah. to you. Yeah, well, well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So then you did this for a year. You wrote a book and then you decided you needed a real job. And since you were over 50, you decided the fastest way to do that over 50 is to create your own job for yourself. So you started Precisely. a business. Exactly. Ah, okay. And in the six minutes we have remaining before Mark turns into a pumpkin, um, now tie this into the failures that you were thinking about and started to talk about earlier before you were okay. so rudely interrupted by me. Yeah, I think I probably interrupted myself on multiple occasions too. Uh, I mean, the the first real failure uh, was 
yeah, I went into corporate America in investments out of grad school just because I had no particular rhyme or reason. And so if the metric is enjoyment out of your job every day, that was a huge failure that I struggled through for well over a decade. Um, and then the, the kind of the other end of the continuum now is if you're, uh, the metric is you know, wealth generated each year. Uh, <laughs> my current occupation is a failure uh, from that metric. But uh, as I said, I, I thoroughly enjoy what I do and I don't ever see a point where I won't want to keep doing it. So I don't even think of retirement or anything like that. It's just well, what did uh, you do? What was the investment job you had? Uh, I worked, um, I came out of grad school at about the time that, uh, the, uh, investment industry and the banking mid-80s, industry were, mid-80s, were starting. Mid-80s, yeah, mid-80s, yeah, mid-80s, early eighties. Yeah. Uh, you know, interstate banking laws were falling. Uh, Glass-Steagall was crumbling. Uh, the 401k had just come into existence. Yep. So there was all t- kinds of opportunity in investments, especially on the retail consumer side. Correct. So I worked for uh, a brokerage company, a discount brokerage company. I worked for a couple of mutual fund companies. and uh, In for, sales? Were you in yeah. sales? Um, it, I was a, a, a trader for a brokerage company. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was actually uh, in, I was a trader for a brokerage company on uh, October 19th, 1987, which was the real crash. Uh, there, yes. There'll never be another crash like that. Uh, and then we for just suffered one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, nothing compared to that. I mean, I, I heard that, you know, the market dropped 10% in one day. I'm like, okay, keep going. Go, when you get to 22%, then I'll talk to you. Oh, that's what yeah. I lived through. Right. Um, but yeah, so I work for mutual fund, uh, setting up, uh, systems for, uh, bank, sales so that uh, banks could actually sell mutual funds uh, through their uh, lobby personnel. Uh, And and if you're starting to doze off, I completely understand why, because I fought dozing off virtually every day that I did that job. Oh, okay. So that was that part of corporate world. didn't that, that didn't sort of uh, thrill you. So what did you do after that? That makes sense. Um, It does sound dull. Um, So what did you do after that? Uh, <clears throat> what occurred was um, we, we had moved. Uh, I had I met my wife, and uh, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Ooh. And uh, she we were, she was running a call center, and I was slogging through the life in the investment world. And uh, uh, long story short, we made a deal because she badly wanted to get her MBA in marketing. Uh, and so the deal was that if she went to Wake Forest full time, others dropped out instead of going at night and just completed it in two years yeah. uh, to get her MBA, that I would support us. And that when she graduated, that my turn came, I would try to find uh, a job in sports management. And so oh. that's exactly what occurred. Oh, okay. And did you, you did enjoy that? Uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, I was my first job in sports management. I was the oldest unpaid intern in PGA tour history at the age of 40. That was my first job in the sports uh, world. And that was not the job, uh, selling sponsorships. What'd you do there? Um, <clears throat> I was a, um, essentially, uh, a gopher you know, or a glorified gopher for my very first job. 
Um, but it was at the very top of the industry. So I made uh, tons of connections. I mean, the internship worked exactly like internships should work. Um, you go in, you know, you, you don't get paid much and you make connections and, and leverage those. So it, it worked like a charm from that standpoint. Ah. Oh, I helped, see. It helped being sort of mature at that point where you could, you know, where you knew that you were getting this opportunity, you knew how to capitalize on it. And also with the business background, because the sports world, especially at that time, is not uh, brimming with people who have a, a tremendous amount of business acumen. Most people are, get into sports because they love, you know, watching or playing a sport. Uh, and so, you know, coming into sports, uh, you know, with an MBA and a dozen years in business, it put me in in um, you know, a, a very advantageous situation in terms of, um, you know, steepening or, um, whatever you do to the learning curve to make it shorter. Um, you know, when I, when I joined the organization, the I flattened curve. the curve. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. It was too easy. So Tim, you're still yes. there. Right? Okay. I'm here. There. So your Dave, joke, your joke floored him, flattened yeah. him. Flattened. <laughs> He flattened so, him. He was left without words. Mark's running out of time. Holy shit. This podcast, we've actually made, there's been actually no point. It's directionless. This is perfect. Unusual. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have succeeded only in being pointless. Well, <laughs> what did uh, that get us? <laughs> well, that ties a nice, you know, that's kind of descriptive of, of Marx yeah. and my friendship for, for several decades now that seemingly pointless uh, interaction actually becomes rewarding. Well, there we go. Well, we all, we have to hope that somebody actually enjoys this this conversation. And, I and, did. I, and I did, too, as well. I, I have to say this again. Buy the damn book that I that he wrote. Because that's the <laughs> name of it again. It's really it's a good game book. Game time somewhere. It's game time somewhere. Um, okay, I got that. Search okay. Tim Forbes. Game time. So it's game time somewhere on Amazon. I, I I just think everybody, especially now, we're all sort of stuck at home. It's a it it's just like a really nice read. I think everybody would like it. Do you think people at home are bored enough to listen to this podcast? Well, if you're bored enough to listen to this stupid thing, then reading that book will be just like a, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank yeah, you, thank Tim. You. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right, we did too. Thanks. See ya. <laughs>